Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast with Sam Laboon and myself, Jordan Jameson G. Strauss. What in the mother of hook is up, baby? How you doing, Sam? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Um, been playing this amazing video game that everyone should play. It's called Subnautica. Ooh, my brother was raving about that game. Oh my god, it's the best game ever. The premise is you. Uh, you are like the sole survivor, or like at least first you're the sole survivor of your spaceship crashing into this um, huge ocean world, like a completely ocean world. And you, the premise of the game is you have to like swim around in these alien ocean environments and harvest mater- resources and build yourself some submarines and stuff. Sounds like it would pair nicely with a strong edible. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it's terrifying though. It's yeah, my brother. My brother Levi Strauss, he uh, he came downstairs one day and was like raving about that game. Oh man, it's so good. So now that's two people in my life that have recommended it, and I just need one more before I actually download it and play it. So it's it's terrifying. Yeah, it's so scary. Like you really feel like you're in like the deeps of an alien planet. Like it is it is scary. Is it like designed for virtual reality? There is virtual reality, but I think it would give people heart attacks if they if they do it. I think it's too dangerous. <laughs> like I seriously like it's so scary. You're going down to like a thousand meters below sea below the surface into these like alien ca- underwater caves and stuff in your cyclops submarine. Like you have a huge submarine that you can build. Wow! Yeah, shoots torpedoes and everything. A thousand meters. How does your computer handle that type of pressure, man? <laughs> well, I have to turn down the settings. <laughs> Do you have to turn the settings up. <laughs> yeah. You have to thicken the hull, turn the hull thickness up on your laptop. You actually can reinforce the hull on your Cyclops, which you need to do because there are, uh, there'd be monsters. There'd be monsters. Give James Cameron a call. Oh, he'd love that game. Tell him you need to borrow his submarine. <laughs> Um, I am doing amazing. I slept seven hours for the straight wow. last night, which is like unheard of from me. Damn. Congratulations. Yeah. After last, last podcast, I was another two, three, actually whole nights without sleep. So I think I went eight nights without sleeping, which was not good on any level. No, that is like a, well, I'm sure you're taking like what they call like micro sleeps. Yes, I, I'm sure I was, but I just don't know. Like, so I, the one night I was like, okay, I picked up heavy edibles, uh, melatonin. I had a sleeping pill, everything, and I was up at like 4 a.m. I took a hot shower. I tried exercising. I read a book for an hour, and I could not. And then at like 4 a.m., I was like starting to go like. I feel like I was almost like having a panic attack. It might have been the edibles that were like, because I took a lot to try and sleep. Nice. But I was like convinced I was like brain damage was occurring. Oh, damn. I was like convinced brain damage was occurring. It like and in that moment, like someone was in my brain, like boarding off synapses because they hadn't like gotten the sleep rejuvenation they needed. So it was like, yeah. I was very close to calling an ambulance, but I'm like, what, do you, what am I going to call I them? Like, oh, I need help. I'm can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. I got to a point where I was, I couldn't keep my eyes open, but I couldn't sleep. So I was like trapped in a fucking box in my head. Like I couldn't, mm. like 
there wasn't I couldn't really see, look around, but I couldn't sleep either. I was just like trapped. It was fucked. Sleep paralysis? No, I wasn't. I wasn't paralyzed. I just couldn't keep my eyes open, but I couldn't sleep either. Mm. So that morning, I had to call into work because there was no fucking way I was going to be able to drive anywhere. Mm. And uh, my boss knew that I had been going through like a few days without sleep so he wasn't like surprised or angry but i did it did end up like kind of fucking over their whole day which sucked oh shit but i needed and i went to a doctor that day mm-hmm. i managed to get like two hours of sleep after at like from like 9 a.m to 11 a.m and i took that opportunity to go to the doctor and told him that i don't care what you have to do you tranquilize me fucking hit me over the head with your gavel i don't give a fuck just put me out of my misery so he gave me some some medication actually he gave me anti anxiety medication which is a weird choice but it seemed to work even though i had to take double the dose he recommended just to fall asleep the first night after that's intense so i had I even after those meds came, I was like still getting like four to five hours max, not uninterrupted. That was like total through the night. I'd wake up a bunch. And then the weekend came, which is always like, oh fuck, at least I don't have any responsibilities. And Saturday, I did stand up for the first time in eight months. Hey. And I was like I was a little hungover. I was like paranoid. I didn't know how to do it. Very like I felt sick to my stomach while I was waiting in the room and like the people were like filling up the room. I was just like I was legit feeling like oh, nauseous. <laughs> and then uh I was hosting, so I was like first on stage. <laughs> and uh as soon as that first laugh came, man, it was like a million pounds off of my shoulders. Like it was just like <sighs> and I was like right back into it. All new material went amazing. Everybody on the show crushed. And I was just like, it was back. We were back, back in it. It's almost like we never left. And then I slept like a fucking baby. <laughs> Man, maybe it was all, maybe it was all anxiety about starting stand up again. I think that was part of it, but I think there was like a multitude of things that were kind of stacking up on each other. But that one was like a huge weight. Like after that, I was like, okay, it's gonna be fine. Like there was a lot of like doubt of whether I even wanted to do it again. Like go back into it and like what that would mean for my sense of identity. Cause I kind of wrapped like five years around stand up mm. the last five years. Yeah. A bulk of my twenties was spent honing this ability that I wasn't even sure I was going to like go back to, or if I did, I wasn't going to enjoy it. But as soon as I like, as soon as that you're like back in there and you're in the zone, it was like, I was like, no, yeah, this is fucking dope. <laughs> staying in it. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Of course you gotta. Yeah. And man, you guys are back in business. That's awesome. Yeah, we got shows almost every night of the week starting soon here. So it's uh, still half capacity until next month. So only a couple more weeks for us to like hone our jokes on half crabs. And then they're jamming in as many people as physically possible <laughs> into these rooms. Yeah. Forget the fire code. Packing them in. Yeah. Oh, we've never, they never respected the fire code at that club anyways. <laughs> God, no. Pack them in. <laughs> No, there's if there was a fire, there was not many options for a lot of people. <laughs> there are a few there are like two exits, I think. Unless you want to like crawl through the windows and drop down into the racquetball courts. Oh yeah, just smash. I think a lot of people would do that if that building was burning. People would just jump through those windows into the racquetball courts. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, it's not that it's, you would probably, you know, you gotta roll. Parkour. Yeah. 
roll at the bottom. Yeah. Anyways, I'd way rather break both my ankles and crawl out of there than fucking burn alive. I think that's a pretty easy choice. I would make that choice any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm uh, back in it. I'm feeling good. I slept more hours straight last night than I have in, I feel like, months. Still felt sleepy after work, though. But I didn't take a nap. I think you got to push through the the kind of siesta. Yes. Naps are for the week. Yeah, I instead I went and I played drums. I got my last two drum cymbals arriving in the mail this week. And then I'm like, it is a complete masterpiece. And that's going to be really fun for me. You know? There's not a lot of things that give me more pleasure than just like smoking a little weed, getting a little couple beers in me, and playing around, playing some drums too some fucking gangster rap music or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, I never learned how to play drums. I only played the uh, sophisticated civilized instruments like piano and cello and trumpet, you know, real instruments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when you play those, you play along to DMX, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Put it in, put it in G yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Drop G. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, it's hot as fuck where I am. We're going to be up to 37 degrees on Saturday. I'm floating the Enderby Canal. Ah. Ah. I'm glad you bring up heat. Ah. What? Okay. <laughs> Why? Well, um, our topic today kind of in a tangential way does involve heat. It's, uh, I'm grasping at straws here for a okay. second. Okay. I respect the attempt. Yeah, heat. Um, specifically, what they call the hot, dense, early phases of the universe. Talking about that Big Bang? Well, we're talking about um, a question that we got asked last week, and that seemed really interesting, but we didn't really have enough time to get into it. Refresh my memory a little bit here. That was the question, um, why is there something rather than nothing? I think asked by Dave. That's true. I remember now. So. And uh, the Big Bang has to do with that. Okay, well, why, this is more of a science lesson this week, but... Well, okay, no, it's... No, not really. We're, we're going to talk about the Big Bang a little bit later, but I was just grasping at straws for a segue, and I, and I grabbed heat. You know what? That's, that's how you do a good segue, is you fucking jam it in there. <laughs> you jam it in there like a shoe that's too small for your foot and you just push it in there and then you run the rest of the day with it on your foot and then you bleed and you lose some toes because they didn't have circulation for nine hours. Yeah. Yeah. Jamming the old wrench in the gears. Yeah. That's what a good segue is. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so we're going to try to answer that. Why is there something rather than nothing? And we, we couldn't really make a lot of headway on it last week from what I remember. No. 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 Not enough time. Although I did give my uh, my personal opinion. What was your personal opinion again? The only reason we have the concept of nothing is because there's something, but there's nothing is actually not a real thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nothing is... Maybe that's where it got its name. Okay, well, there's a counter-argument to that, that nothing is not a real thing. Think about it like this. Like, is a hole a thing? Does a hole actually exist? Like, what is a hole? H-O-L-E. Well, I guess that would depend on what kind of hole you're talking about. Are you talking like a dug hole in the ground or a hole in a piece of paper? Either or a one, hole. Either one. Donut holes yeah. are things. Are they? It's called Timbits, so they're real. Yeah. 
No, the divot is a spear. I mean, like a hole. Like, yeah, like you're saying, like you dig a hole in the in the dirt. Okay. Like, what? What? What is? Is there a hole? Can you touch a hole? No, you can't touch a hole. When you're touching a hole, what are you touching? No, you can't touch it. Can you smell it? Smell a hole? <laughs> Depends <laughs> on the hole. <laughs> are you smelling the hole, or are you smelling what's inside the hole? <laughs> I'm gonna guess what's deep, deep in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to wake it up. Whatever it is, you stay in there. <laughs> no, a hole is is not a uh, is not a thing, right? What about a? But it, we we wouldn't. It would be. It would seem weird to say that holes, even though you can't touch them, you can't see them, you can't smell them. We know everyone knows what you mean when you say a hole. Like holes are are still real. I mean, yeah, it's it's to point out a location where there's no material there. Mm. So if there's a hole in the wall, you can walk through it, look through it, because you know there's nothing blocking your way. That's true. What about a um, a shadow? Is a shadow a real thing? A shadow? Like a concrete thing? A shadow, yeah. A shadow is a lighting phenomenon, isn't it? It's a pheno- phenomenon of light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the, on the one end, we know, like we say, like shadows are real, shadows are things, but they're not a concrete thing. Well, they're the absence of something is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So an absence, in a sense, can be a thing. Yeah. An absence is a thing as in you can point out that the surrounding area of that thing. Okay, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> it's, it's a useful word to point out where something is not. Yeah. So nothing is like an absence. Yes. So yeah. So we have to start off and define like what nothing is. And so we were saying that like one thing that could be nothing would be like a vacuum. A vacuum is still a thing. But like an absence of, so nothing is the absence of something. So by definition, you need something for there to even have the concept of nothing. That's true. The two concepts are, are linked. But the question is, why is there something rather than nothing? And I think it is pretty clear that nothing, you can't have nothing. Like there can be nothing. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is like nothing is only a useful language tool for us, but it's not actually something that exists. There is no point in the universe where there's truly nothing there. Um, yeah, so at least not right now. But the question is maybe, could there be? And so one way you can think of that is like, we remember how we used to talk about possible worlds? Yeah. Yeah, so like, there, like the question is, why aren't we, why is, is there a possible world that has nothing in it an empty world and what would is that possible no and so an empty world would be a world with no space and no time that would be an empty world that wouldn't be anything well when we say world remember it's not a place that we can go it's a way of saying things could have been otherwise like there could have been no space no time no concrete things no no physical things that you could touch um because if, if the answer is no, that that's impossible, then the question doesn't make any sense. Yeah, okay. That's what I think. But the question is, could it be possible for there to be no things? Uh, no. Okay, well, we have to clarify what we mean by things. So, okay. for like, so remember uh, Wittgenstein? Ludwig Wittgenstein? Uh, I remember the name. How can you forget a mug like that? So he... Uh, 
he is he was very uh, very interesting. He wrote a book called the Tractatus Logico Philosophicus. Mm. And one of the things he says, the book starts like this. It's like all these little numbered lines. Like number one, the world is everything that is the case. One point one. The world is the totality of facts, not of things. Huh. I think I remember us talking about that. Yeah. So when you think about it like that, right? The world is the totality of facts, not of things. And you can think about it like, okay, if there is an empty world that has no things in it, well, there's still facts about that world. Like for fact about that world is there's not a thing. So it's impossible to have nothing in the sense that there's like not even any facts because there's always going to be at least one fact. Well, the fact is that it doesn't exist. So that's the end of it, right? Well, um, so, so like when we're talking about this idea of like the empty world, right? Yeah. There could be an empty world that has no things in it, but there will still be facts about that world. Uh, see, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't sit right with me because, okay, when you're imagining this so-called empty world, mm-hmm. what are you imagining? Well, you can't imagine it. It's impossible for you to imagine it. Yeah. But does that mean that it doesn't, that it isn't possible just because you can't imagine it? Yes. If there's nothing. <laughs> there are lots of things you can't imagine. You can't imagine a 120-sided three-dimensional polygon. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah, but that has, that would still be a shape. Well, the point is, right? Like if you say that it can't be the case that there could be an empty world because I can't imagine it. Just the fact that you can't imagine something isn't evidence that it isn't possible. Well, yeah. Okay, I agree with that entirely. There's lots of things I can't imagine, but... Yeah. So you'd have to think of some other reason why. Saying an empty world is just saying nothing. Like, the, there's nothing... You're just describing nothing again. So if there's nothing, there's no facts about it. Well, no, there is the fact. The, the fact is that there's nothing. that there's nothing in the empty world. Like, there's no space, there's no time. But you're still assigning a place when you say the empty world. Mm. Well, like the world isn't a place. It's like different realities. Parallel universe. It's not like a... So here's the thing. It's like when you say an empty world, Mm -hmm. this is what I meant by what are you imagining when you say that, is if you say an empty world, you're kind of implying that there is a segment of reality where that takes up space. Mm, well, no, 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 no. It's. I think the. I think it's like the word. The word "world" is just like metaphorical. It, it doesn't mean like an actual place that you can go to or journey to that takes up space. Okay. It's like an alternate reality, like a parallel, parallel reality to ours. Is it a reality if there's nothing there? Well, that, that's the question. God damn it! This is. <laughs> this is. Holy shit, uh, I was not prepared for this week's episode at this point. Uh, I told you this is going to be a hard one. My brain's already broken on it. Uh, to me, it seems like a moot, a moot point. Yeah, so like the question is, can there be... The question is not like when we say, why is there something rather than nothing? In one sense, it's impossible that there could be nothing because there will always be at least one fact. The fact that there is nothing. Well, I think that's what I said at the beginning. There is no such thing as nothing. But on the other hand... Maybe what we talk about when we say nothing, maybe like, because thing, right? When we say like thing, thing is a very, very broad term. Yeah. It could mean literally anything that you could think of is a thing. Yeah. Even a shadow and a hole are things, even though you can't touch them. So what we mean are 
I think of I immediately think of thing one and thing two. Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Oh, well, no. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Even. <laughs> oh yeah, that's cat. <laughs> Uh, do you think the cat in the hat and the Cheshire cat smoke doobies together? Oh, man. <laughs> They're doing like mescaline or something, I think. And Garfield. They all have very, <laughs> the uh, like... <laughs> the three cats of literature. They all have very drug addict vibes about them. They do. Garfield's hooked on lasagna. Uh, yeah. Cat in the hat is like... Uh, he's got OCD. He's always cleaning shit, but then he's going through like manic phases where he's destroying the, everything. Yeah. He's always got big plans. Yeah. He's like a megalomaniac. <laughs> yeah. Bipolar bipolar disorder, maybe. He's the one that's on like hard doses of Adderall. <laughs> Method. Cheshire cats, he's smoking that that uh He's on acid for sure. LSD laced yeah. <laughs> opium. He's smoking a joint dipped in acid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh you got Tony the Tiger, he's just fucking straight cocaine, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you got any fucking frosting? Okay, so I totally forgot what we were talking about. So we're we're talking about what kind of things are we talking about when we say no things? Yeah. And when people say, why is there something rather than nothing? I think what they really mean is, why are there things like concrete things that have like causal powers to make things happen, like particles that can bump into each other and, and cause things to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they're, that's what they're saying. Like facts, facts can't bump into other facts and make them move around. Yeah. And they also don't care about your feelings, <laughs> bro. So destroyed, destroyed by <laughs> facts and logic. <laughs> I just fucking destroyed you so hard with logic, man. You're gonna end up on YouTube, dude. <laughs> but that's why it's um that's why it's impossible to imagine nothing because to imagine nothing is to imagine the absence of like space and time. Like space is like the relations between objects. And so if there's no objects, then there's no space. Yeah. Everything that we can wrap our brains around happened after the Big Bang. <laughs> Yeah, so that's like that's the other question is um big bang. We're almost at the big bang, I think we're going to get there soon. Okay. So, yeah, like so some philosophers like I found this guy named Thomas Baldwin who says you can't imagine an empty world. Just imagine a world with a finite number of concrete objects and then just start deleting them and eventually you imagine there's just one left and then you delete that one and then boom, empty world. Mhm. Yeah. But I don't think that's actually possible. I remember an episode of Winnie the Pooh where that happens, I think. Except for it's candles on a big cake. Yeah. And they're trapped in some like alternate dimension, him and Tigger and the crew. And the cake has thousands of candles on it. And each time they make a wish, whatever they wish for appears in their hands. So obviously Winnie the Pooh is wishing for honey. Tigger's wishing for, I forget, I don't know, trampolines. I don't know what the hell he liked. Oh, yeah, he's another cat on drugs. Yeah, it's true. ER is getting that straight MDMA dose. <laughs> whatever. They're all getting that whatever they want. And then they, I think the episode goes, they wish all the candles and they keep blowing out until there's one candle left. And they have all this shit they really like, like all their favorite toys, all their favorite food. Everything's in this place now. But their last wish, the last candle they decide they have to use it to get back to Christopher Robin. And they have to give up all the other wishes that they had before. All their new fancy toys and food. And uh, they do it. 
despite Tigger <laughs> really not wanting to do it. That's what I. That's how I recall the episode. I remember it being pretty fucking scary and existential. That's that's freaky. Um, but now I'm just imagining what would happen to them if they blew out that last candle and they would disappear into that world forever. I don't know how that relates to this conversation anymore, but that's like alternate universe. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't remember how. Oh, oh it's because we're talking about deleting deleting things until you get to zero. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so this is actually an interesting thing, right? Because matter in our universe, you can't delete matter, right? You delete matter with antimatter. Is that what happens with antimatter? Is that what antimatter does? I honestly don't know what anything about antimatter. When antimatter and matter touch each other or like get close enough, they it's called like they annihilate each other. And it's basically just an enormous explosion of of energy as the matter as the matter and antimatter annihilate each other. What? That is crazy. So there literally is an answer, like why is there something rather than nothing? Well, because there's slightly more matter than antimatter. That's why there's something rather than nothing. <laughs> I think that's what I was ta- trying to say when when Stephen Hawking, when I was telling you that what I saw Stephen Hawking's talking about. Question because if I saw this, it was like a a uh, kind of an explanation of why something happened. It's just that be, per, because perfection does not exist. Otherwise, if every particle, or everything was the exact same, like every electron or whatever, I'm way <laughs> out of my depth here, but try and, try and understand what I'm saying here. Something had to be imperfect for it to have a stronger gravitational pull than the things beside it, or else nothing would have joined together. Everything would have stayed perfectly equidistant away from each other because everything's gravity was exactly the same because they were all the exact same mass. Mm. But something had to happen where one gained slightly more than the other and that one swallowed up that one, which gained more mass, and then it all started going crazy, right? Big bang time. Yeah, well, okay, so we're going to look into this a little bit um, because the big bang is no longer like the main or like at least the general relativity kind of Big Bang, is no longer like the main theory apparently in physics. They have new theories. Mm. but um, And the reason this is a big deal is because, according to the Einstein theory of the Big Bang, one of the weird things about the Big Bang is that it seems almost impossible to say how it's caused. Because the idea with the Big Bang is that, like imagine you re- rewound time on the universe, like winding a clock backwards. Yeah. That clock doesn't eventually when that clock um, gets backwards to zero. Yes, it doesn't go back any farther than that. There are no events, no events before that, and so if there were no events before that, then there could have been no preceding cause. Yeah, this is like the question that most people arrive back at God or whatever they need to think about to make that make sense in their head. Yeah, and then there's just, but then that that just begets like a, an equally implausible thing, which is like, how did God begin? Like, yeah, and the same thing happens. We we like human beings. I don't think that we are our brains are really built to grasp the concept of eternity, even in the slightest. You can say you have, but it, like it doesn't. Our brains just don't function in that way. We have to have time involved to make sense of anything. Yeah, our, our our brains just really aren't that great at imagining things. <laughs> like we're okay, like pretty easy things, but mm. when you get too abstract, like like the shapes and stuff, you just can't imagine it. I mean, 
Some people's brains are pretty creative. Did I tell you? Have I told you about this Winnie the Pooh episode I once saw where there was a cake and uh, they were trapped in this world where this cake had a thousand candles on it? The Winnie the Pooh world? Yeah, you literally, yeah, you just described that. Yeah. You like, like five minutes ago, you just <laughs> described that whole thing. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm just okay. trying to prove a point that the human brain can be pretty imaginative when it needs to. Okay. Well, by imaginative, I don't mean like creative. I mean like, like when it comes to like science, like. <laughs> did you think I was losing my fucking mind there? <laughs> For a second I did. I was like, oh my God, what, <laughs> what's happening? That eight days without sleeping fucking cross some wire. <laughs> yeah, he did get brain damage. Holy shit. <laughs> you got so like quiet there. I was like, oh fuck, he thinks I'm actually serious. What, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, imaginative in the sense that, like, we're not good at imagining tough physics concepts. Oh, no. No, not at all. Like, specifically physics concepts, like, like imagining geometric shapes or, like, trying to understand, like, just trying to understand these big bang concepts at all. Yeah. Like, for example, like, we can't really imagine this, but according to the Einstein Big Bang Theory, at the time of the Big Bang, every point in the universe was the same point. And there were, it wasn't, the universe wasn't three dimensions, it was zero dimensions. Like, try to imagine that. <laughs> yeah, see, like that, at that yeah. point, it's like, okay, I have no experience at all with that. I swear to God, I think we've talked about this before, but we're built for whatever our size scale is, right? Yeah. If we go too big, we stop losing like the ability to grasp it. And if we go too small, we stop, we start losing the ability to grasp what's actually happening. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain segment of size that we can comprehend with our brains. And then anything beyond that is like, yeah, just we're we're pretending that we're under, we we might understand how it works, but to like actually conceptualize it in, in its completeness, we just, we're all pretending. Yeah. And that's like, uh, this is like a tangent, but that's that's what's related to the problems with a lot of the theories about consciousness. Right. Like you can't imagine how consciousness could arise from non-conscious matter. Yeah. Like how do conscious experiences, how does non-conscious matter have, like give rise to consciousness? Like that's supposed to be the hard problem. Like you can't solve it. And like the whole basis for the argument is is because you can't imagine it. But just like we've been talking about, just because you can't imagine or conceive something by no means means that it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. Just because we can't imagine something does not mean it's impossible. Uh, but it could mean it's impossible. <laughs> it could mean, right? Like, you also can't imagine a four-sided triangle. Right. And it also so happens to be the case that a four-sided triangle would be impossible. But it's not impossible because you can't imagine it. It's impossible because the concept of triangle like one of the necessary things about that concept is three sides so if you change the number of sides it's no longer a triangle yeah it's the definition defines the shape right yeah so to imagine that shape as a triangle is you're now not looking at a triangle at all yeah it's all yeah it like it's kind of a doubt it's like a, a question doesn't make sense yeah yeah it's like it's like it's it's impossible to imagine it but the fact that it's impossible to imagine it isn't the reason why it's impossible. 
No, by definition. It's the definition of what a triangle is, is it makes it impossible. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like the whole point. Like any argument, wherever you see, like one of the premises is that this is it's impossible to conceive of this, therefore it can't be possible. You know that that argument, just throw it out. Like that's trash. Garbage argument. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you mean that just because you can't imagine it doesn't mean it's impossible is true. But um, there are some things that are impossible by the definite, like, no, no, you're, never mind. Go, just get, yeah, get you're, me you're back right. on the railing. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the idea is that um, if you are arguing, if you are trying to argue that something is impossible and the reason it's impossible is because you, the reason it's impossible, the reason you think it's impossible is because you yourself cannot con- conceive it or imagine it, how it could be possible. Yeah. That reason does not get you that conclusion. So if you see any argument like that, you have to have to throw it out. No, no, no. No, it does not. Bad argument. Yeah, it is. I mean, I can't think yeah. of it, so it can't be. Yeah, it's like it's like any invention that no one thought of before does not mean it's not possible. Yeah, and it so happens that a lot of arguments about why consciousness cannot arise from non-conscious matter have to do with this inability to imagine how it could how it could happen. And they think, well, I just can't imagine it. Therefore, it must be impossible. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about how it's just our brains aren't built to. Yeah. It, it's obviously. So if the question is, how did consciousness arise out of non-conscious matter? Just using your brain alone and not being able to figure it out is not a good argument as to it. I mean, it obviously happened, right? Well, no, no, no. The, like the, the point is that like they. This is such a tangent from the topic, but we'll get back. Yeah. The, the point is like, I wish I could find, I'll, I'll look up like a quick version of the hard, the hard problem of consciousness, see if I can get a, uh, a like succinct saying of it. Because um, I forget like the exact formulation. Let's go to Wikipedia. Or no, here we go. The Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Wow, new one. Um, yeah, okay, so here it is. It is the problem of, of explaining why there is, quote, something it is like, unquote, for a subject in conscious experience, why conscious mental states light up and directly appear to the subject. So it's the question of uh, why do you have a first-person experience? How does your physical brain have a first-person experience? And so this guy, David Chalmers, he thought, well, look, I can imagine a being that is physically identical to a human being and behaves exactly like one, but it doesn't have consciousness. Yeah. So therefore, consciousness is not caused by the physical state of that being. But the problem with that argument is that he thinks, like this is sort of like the, like it's that thing like sort of flipped, but he thinks he can imagine something, something physically identical to a human being that's conscious. And, I don't think he actually can't imagine that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just like you can just say that. Oh, this man's not actually conscious, even though he's behaving exactly like yeah. something that's conscious yeah. would. But yeah, I think I, I think I see your point, but I could be way off right now. I have no idea. Anyway, yeah, we're we're on a huge tangent, but um. We're on a huge tangent, but we should get back. Yeah, this is some <laughs> fucking like wrap your brain around a pole and call it a night. Hang your hang your wet brain out to dry, and and pick it back up in the morning. 
Okay, yeah. Point being, though, um, just because someone says they can't imagine how something is could be possible does not provide evidence for the conclusion that it is impossible. But anyway, we have to get back to it. So we we're, were talking about Einstein, I think. Yeah, bring me somewhere else. This is hard. This is too hard for me. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, it's about to get way harder. Um, <laughs> this is a triple black diamond episode, folks. <laughs> okay, so we're back to Einstein, right? So we were talking about how our brains aren't good at imagining the quantum realm. Yes. And the reason, and so this is also a problem for the Big Bang Theory. And the problem is that for the Big Bang Theory, it's all based on relativity. And relativity works best for larger objects. And it has some problems with mm-hmm. quantum mechanics. Right. Is it because of the lack of, is it because of uh, the lack of mass that these small, small quantum particles have that there's like no gravity acting on them or fr- they don't have any gravity? No, I th- no, I think everything has mass. I think most, I think all particles have mass maybe because of the Higgs, Higgs field, which is like part of this quantum stuff. Right. Higgs boson. Yeah. Higgs boson. Quantum, the quantum field. I'm not exactly sure why it doesn't work, obviously, but um, all I know is, is that everyone in physics knows that like relativity is not a complete theory and that you also need quantum mechanics. Right. And there is like a more quantum explanation for how things got started. And it's very different. Tell me the quantum start. <laughs> Give me the tale of the quantum beginning. Yeah, Deepak Chopra would love this. <laughs> he fucking yeah. loves the word He's quantum. A, the quantum. Yeah. So <laughs> the the quantum theory is that imagine oh man, this is this is complicated, right? So imagine um imagine like you know like fields, like you know like electromagnetic fields, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Fields Dope. are like energy. <laughs> I do actually. We learned a lot about that in uh, electrical school, believe it or not. Not that we ever used it on the Okay, so you might know you might know this. Yeah. All right. Oh man, this is hard for me to explain. All right, so there's supposed to be this is the theory, right? I don't really understand this obviously how how this works. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. Okay. So I have no fucking chance. Um, all right. So imagine that imagine that our universe and countless other universes of all shapes and sizes are like bubbles. And these bubbles are coming into existence mm-hmm. in an infinite sea, I guess you could say. Right. And the idea is that this infinite sea is this thing called the quantum field. Okay. Or some sort of quantum field. Is this going to end up with aliens using us as marbles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Men in black, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the right picture, I guess, maybe. But um so imagine, right, this quantum field and this quantum field is it has energy in it, but it has no particles. So it has no things. No concrete things exist in this quantum field. Oh. So nothing with mass? Nothing with mass. It's just uh these like energy fluctuations or something in this quantum field. Because, like, I'm thinking of energy like an electron. No, no, no. We're talking, there are, there are, in these fields, there are potential particles. So different areas in the field occasionally, like, get, like, an energy surge or something like that. And it's like there's the potential for a particle. See, I guess my problem is, I, 
So when I think of energy, I think of exact like electricity or magnetic fields. That's essentially what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. No, we're we're thinking of something else. Yeah, this is smaller. Okay, so this is not electron-based energy. Like, what the fuck? No, like electrons would be too big. Because I think even electrons are composed of other particles. They are, but like, I'm just trying to think of all the kinds of energy. I thought like it all boiled down to electromagnetic at the end of the day. Well, no, there's like four, there's supposedly four different forces. There's the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force. And gravity, right? Gravity. And then one other one, maybe electromagnetism. So there's like these four different fundamental forces. Okay. But anyway, so, so there's this quantum field and it has these potential particles that are in it. And the quantum field is always sort of fluctuating because it wants to, I think the idea is that it wants to stay like a quantum field. It doesn't want to become an actual field or something. It doesn't want to gain mass, eh? <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, it doesn't want to bulk up. <laughs> but occasionally somehow... Again, I don't understand this, but occasionally somehow the field gets like stuck in its fluctuation. There's like bottlenecks happen or something. Right. And all of a sudden, all of the potential particles become actual particles. Fuck. That's the sound it makes. Fuck. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> One fuck. <laughs> the fuck field. <laughs> That's the big fuck. <laughs> Field. (laughs) It's all these energy potentials that don't want to have to actually become real. And they're just like, when it happens, they're all just like, oh, fuck. I was just fucking sitting here. Fuck's sake. Fucking try it all the time not to become a fucking thing. Fucking actual. (laughs) No, I'm fucking actual. (laughs) I want to be actual. I want to see a paper called Sam's Fuck Field. Sam's theory of the fuck fields. <laughs> if you listen closely, you can hear them. Fuck, 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 fuck. Imagine that's what they hear with like the most sensitive like microphone ever. They just hear, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like popcorn <laughs> popping, but it's just particles becoming yeah. actual. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, but so the inter like a very interesting thing is that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll try to try to try to wrap this up so we can get to our questions. Um, so right, we got one little email, so don't we got time? Oh, okay, all right. So there is evidence for this. There's this thing called the cosmic microwave background, which is that's where the popcorn gets popped, brother. <laughs> I know it's too perfect. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's where. Um, and if you you look at you can like look at pictures of this on you on the internet, but basically it's like this picture of where they can detect like the earliest energy from like the farthest distances away from us. So like, do you remember like the farther away you get, like the older light is that you see the, the farther away or the farther away it was, the older it is. So yes, which is why you could, you, the only way to see dinosaurs is to teleport out further than that yes. light has reached yet and oh, look damn. back, but it might've gone infrared by then. So who knows? Then you would have to think damn. of something else, but whatever, you whatever, know, we'll work yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and so the, the light or whatever the energy is that you can see in the cosmic microwave background matches the pattern that you would expect from a quantum field sort of bubbling, um, bubbling like that. Huh. So the idea is that our universe is one bubble in a sea of many other bubbles. 
And so that's how you get infinite universes, infinite possible worlds. Yes. Yeah. And yet, yet again, the problem is, is that we don't understand what we cannot actually conceptualize the concept of infinity as human beings. So yeah, like that's, that's a problem. That is a problem. And so this gets us back to our question. Why is there something rather than nothing? I got 99 problems. 99 problems. and (laughs) Not being able to imagine infinity is one of them. So you get all the way back. Why is it? And so, so the, so physicists are like, look, this explains it. Why is there something rather than nothing? Well, the reason there are some things is because sometimes the quantum energy field, which is nothing, there are no actual things in it. Sometimes it fluctuates in such a way that concrete things, particles come into existence and it's just random. It's a beautiful, beautiful accidents, but it's just, it's just random. That's just the way it is. It's the fuck field, bruh. The fuck field, bruh. Some philosophers are satisfied with that. And then others are like, well, what we really want to know is like, why is there even a quantum energy field? Yeah, it's the infinite. It's just you can keep. That's what I'm saying is like the problem of the question is that we, we just fundamentally can't understand infinity. Well, here's, here's, the, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm interested in is like the quantum energy field isn't a concrete thing. So it's not the kind of, but I, I can still see what they mean. Like, why are there quantum energy fields? But it's not an actual thing. I see what you're saying. It is like the closest thing to nothing that's actually something. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> it's yeah, it's there's no things there. There's just potential things. <laughs> it's just potential. potential. Yeah. Potential that just wants to stay that way, stay on the couch. That's exactly how human beings yeah, are too. It's you know? beautiful. Um <laughs> don't the potential is what makes it exciting. Yeah. Okay. As soon as something actually happens. It's not as exciting anymore. Yeah, it sucks. So some philosophers are like, are like, they agree, like, yeah, we just can't explain it. So we get back to Wittgenstein again. Wittgenstein, like, is actually says like, um, it is not how things are in the world that is mystical, but that it exists. Mm-hmm. So he thinks it's kind of mystical that the world even exists. So he can't explain it. But he has another interesting thing. He says when an answer cannot be put into words. Neither can the question. The riddle does not exist. See, fuck, I like that shit. <laughs> if you can't put it into words, why are we talking about it? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Oh, that is Wittgenstein <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah, that is Wittgenstein. I like this guy. I'm going to get that quote next to all my other tattoos on my body from this podcast. Yeah. Well, he's got a point, right? Like a riddle has, what makes it a riddle is that it has an answer. Yeah. And you can't have an answer to something if you can't even put the riddle into words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what he's saying. Like, look, if I can't an- if I can't answer your question, then it means your question has a problem with it. That's pretty much his position. Yeah, if they can't be answered with our language, then uh, what are we doing here? So, I think um, I think we kind of have our have we have two we have a few different answers now to the question. To recap, I guess we have a few different answers to the question: Why is there something rather than nothing? We have the physicists. Yeah. Who are like, well, because the quantum energy field has potential that becomes actual. And so right. nothing becomes something. So there is nothing, and it becomes something. And then Wittgenstein is like, no, fuck you. Your question uh, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> See, that's, that's my style right there. So there's two, two answers. Two answers. That's, that's, what, that's what I was able to find. Your question doesn't mean nothing to me. So 
I learned all of that about black holes in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Dang. I just felt like I watched an episode of the Cosmos with the whitest Neil deGrasse Tyson ever. <laughs> Watch uh, the PBS, PBS Space YouTube channel is, is phenomenal. PBS Eons, I think. Okay, we got an email. Okay. You want to read this email? Oh, I got to introduce this, this, this emailer. I know him personally. Okay. Well, should I read it first? No, I want I want to introduce him first. Okay. Um, so this is an email from an Ottawa comedian named George Asili, who won the Ottawa Yuck Yucks Mike McDonald uh, Winter Comedy Competition right before COVID. That's what's up. So absolutely, absolutely fucking hilarious guy. Like absolute killer. Congrats, George. All right, let's read his email. What is it going to be? That's it? I thought we were going somewhere else. <laughs> oh, um, no, no, no. I mean, what else? What, what more can I say? What more accolades can be sung here? He's a funny motherfucker. Great and you know him personally. Great okay. greasy hair. Very, um, okay. Some very disgusting personal hygiene. But uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to get a piece of his mind right now. And I want to, I really want to... Um, <laughs> Uh, just remind you all that these are his words, not my words. All right. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, here it is. Can you help a nigga out and summarize the categorical imperative? <laughs> uh, okay. Too busy crushing white claws and shooting mad ropes in dorm rooms. Peace. So can we help him out? <laughs> okay. Well, there are two formulations of the categorical imperative from Emmanuel Kant. Okay. Um, all right. And I can't, like, I, I, I don't want to just get them wrong off the top of my head, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look them up. But uh, the categorical imperative is, well, well, both formulations are things that we must do. We have to do them. We have no choice. We have to do it. Okay. So the first, I think this is the first one. I might get, I, I might get them mixed up as to which is the first and which is the second. But the first one is essentially that whenever you do something, you must act according to a maxim which you could simultaneously will every other person would act by if they were in your exact circumstances. Hmm. Okay. And so, okay, go ahead. Yes. No, no, no. Maybe I'll understand the second one better. Okay. <laughs> they kind of boil down to the same thing. The second one, I believe is much simpler because I think he realized like, okay, I've made that too complicated, but the second one is much simpler and it's the idea, it's, but it's also more, um, as more content. And it's the idea that you, you must never use another human being or autonomous being. I'm not sure which, which to put in there. Mm-hmm. You must never, we'll say autonomous. You must never use another autonomous being as simply a means to an end, but you must treat it as an end in itself. Oh, okay. So this is like about ethics, oh, right? wrong. <laughs> <laughs> This is like the philosophy of ethics or something? Yeah. So like, it's actually a bit more interesting to talk about the first formulation. Okay. Um, which is that you, whenever you do something, you must do it. You must uh, act according to a maxim, which you could simultaneously will every other being to act according to that maxim. If they were in your exact circumstances. Yeah. You want to, you want, you would, you want to have your sense of morality. like. You would you would want it everyone in the world to share it. You want to hold it to that type of standard, right? Um, yeah, it's like uh, uh, it's tricky. It's um, 
it's not like you you have to do it because you want to secure some goal. Okay. So he calls that a hypothetical imperative. So a hypothetical imperative is like, if you don't want to get wet, you should bring an umbrella with you because it's raining out or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. If you don't want this to happen, you should do that. Or if you want this to happen, you should do that. This is like, you have to do this regardless of the consequences. Okay. Regardless of what happens, you must do this. You you ought to do it. Damn, can you think, is there any sort of, has anyone come up with any like examples of something like that? Well, for, for example, right, Kent himself. Yeah. Thought like he took his, he, he believed that you can, you cannot like it's, he believed it's irrational to not tell the truth, for example. Oh. So he thought you must tell the truth no matter what the consequences are. If you're, if you're hiding Jews in your house and the Nazis come, you have a moral duty, you have a moral obligation, you must tell them the truth. You can't lie. Well, that's fucking stupid, Kant. Nice try. <laughs> of course, you should lie in that situation. What a dumb way to live your life. Under no circumstances should you lie. Under none. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Cool, man. <laughs> Honesty. Very important value for you, I guess. And Well, his, his, he has a whole argument about it. Like, if you lie, you are basically... You're, you're saying like you think it's okay for other people to lie to if it gets you what you want. And so if everyone lies whenever they get what they, to get what they want, then all of everything will break down into chaos. <laughs> so he thinks that if you start lying about Jews hiding in your basement, that's a slippery slope to you lying on your taxes or what? <laughs> yeah, in a, in, a, in a way, yeah. The dumbest shit I've ever heard. Circumstance matters, okay? Yeah, well, to to can't like it doesn't matter what the consequences are of your actions. Fuck that guy's so lame. What a, he was probably a teacher's pet, never broke any rules, or was he just breaking tons of rules and being super honest about it? Because I can respect that a little bit better. I don't know anything about um, his personal life, unfortunately. It's that's a ludicrous like to not. No matter the consequences, this is so dumb. Like that's such a dumb standard to hold for yourself or expect other people to to live like that. Is this guy popular in the in the philosophical world? Um, oh, he's one of the most important philosophers ever. Not by my book, dude. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, I might, I might, I hope I'm wrong about the lying thing, but um. Well, if anyone's listening and knows he's wrong, why don't you email us at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Actually, okay, hold on. I want to take it. I want to take it back about the lying thing. Okay. All right, but his uh, his his first formulation of the categorical imperative that whenever you act, you must act according to a maximum that you could will that maximum to become a universal law. He uh, like that's pretty that's a pretty big deal in philosophy. Well, maybe we can get deeper into that on the next episode. He's yeah, he's very influential. He's very influential for uh, rationality. Because at this point, I don't think I'm grasping why it's so important. So maybe we when we have more time. It's more his reasons. It's more his arguments that get him there. Okay. That are important, like that have influence. Uh-huh. Like basically, his he thinks people like the moral worth of people comes from the fact that they're rational. And so, when you lie to someone, you are disrespecting their rationality. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I agree. Lying is going to be like you sh- lying is not something you should you should do habitually for sure. But obviously, you have to. If, if other people's lives are on the line, you got to take these things into an account. I'm sure he would agree with that. I'm sorry about that. What I said about you earlier, Kant. I'm sure Sam just horrifically misrepresented you to me. I hope so. About the lying thing. <laughs> well, anyways, maybe next time we should talk more about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, George, for that question. Got us going. Yes. Thank you, George. Uh, Thanks for listening. Does he listen, or did you just did he just does he just write into podcasts when he finds out their emails through friends? I don't know. I think he, I think he probably listens. I think he probably listens. Okay. Thanks for uh, the question, there, George. Uh, thank you. Anyone else who's listening to this, you have a great day. Bye.